Origin Gate is a proud supporter and endorser of The Nest. Before you get into today's podcast, I wanted to tell you of an exciting new school offered by The Nest. It's called Voices of Torah, and it will be run by Carl Whitehead. If the Word is living and active, then we should take great pleasure in studying it. But for some of us, Bible study is tedious. If you can identify with that statement, then this school is for you. Carl will share his knowledge of how to study the Word of God in a way that opens up the layers of revelation contained in it. He provides a platform of connection. Not only will you be given the keys and tools of conducting your own in-depth studies, but there will be opportunity each week to share your exciting findings with your peers and discuss the hard questions. This school will run for nine months, from the 9th of January until the 1st of October 2021. There will be 74 sessions per year. You do not need to be a Hebrew scholar or have any knowledge of the Hebrew alphabet to commence this school. Year 1 will build a solid foundation which will prepare and make you more confident to go deeper from Year 2. For more information on cost and dates and times, please visit www.thefoundationnest.com. Click on the tab called Voices of Torah. We look forward to welcoming you to the Nest soon. Shalom and welcome to Origin Gate's daily podcast, Wisdom's Echo. This is Carl Whitehead. Today we're going to be returning to Genesis 2.4 and having another good look at the Hebrew text that is in this verse. And just as a quick recap from uh, my previous podcast. And if you'll recall, we were looking at the fifth word in this verse, Behibar-am, which is translated as, they were created. And what we find when we look at this verse, or sorry, when we look at this word, and we look at the commentary on this verse, we begin to realize and understand that there is a profound amount of potential reality that sits below the surface of the Hebrew text. I I remember many years ago listening to a, a rabbi talking about the importance of praying in Hebrew. He, of course, was speaking to Jewish people, and... The reason that he was saying this is because within every word, within every Hebrew word, and this is particularly true uh, of Torah in the Hebrew text, within, within every word there's a vast amount of potential meaning. And we see this play out in this verse. So when we, when we say a Hebrew word, which in this case the Hebrew word we're looking at is behi bar am, and so when I say that in the Hebrew, what is actually happening is that every potential, every possibility, every possible way of looking at that word and interpreting it is coming out in the saying of the word itself. So my breath is almost giving birth to a universe of meaning. And this is something that I, I really want to point out in the way God speaks. And the Torah is profound in this when we start to grasp a hold of this, that when God says something, he speaks the potential of everything within the expression of what he is saying. So when he was 
giving the Torah to Moses, he was encapsulating within the text itself the potential of everything. And I want you to stop and think about that for a minute because it changes the way we approach the Word of God. So when you read the first verse of Torah in Genesis 1.1 and you hear the words, Barashit bara Elohim, et hashamayim va'et ha'aretz, and you can start with the simple meaning, in the beginning, Barashit, God, Elohim, bara created. Et, an untranslatable word, which in, in this instance, we're looking at it from a grammatical perspective, is what they call a direct object marker. So it's et hashamayim, the heavens, and then it says va'et, again, the direct object marker, but this time it has the letter vav in front of it, which is translated as and in the English verse, and ha'aretz, the earth. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, if we stop for a minute and we realize that the Hebrew text has hidden within it the potential possibility of everything, then we, we our, our minds, our, our brains, but more importantly, our soul, our spirit, our, our living neshama, our living breath, our, our nefesh, starts to become alive to the potential of deeper knowing. Because Barashit Bara Elohim has a multiplicity of, in just the English, the English way of interpreting that verse. Now this, of course in this podcast I'm not going to be going into that because that's, I don't want to focus on that right now. But I, it's very important for me to communicate to you that when you read God's word, there is always more. There will always be more. It, it's, it's, it does not matter how much you have studied it. It always comes alive with more. And that's why we see that in this, in this word, the fifth word in the fourth verse Sorry, fourth verse of the second chapter of the book of Genesis. Why this word introduces us to a greater reality of not just creation, but also our capacity and our function within creation when we stop to meditate upon the potential reality and possibility that is waiting there for us to engage with. And so, as, as you will recall, when we looked at this word in the previous podcast, we were able to interpret this word and read it as which we can translate as, as he created them with the letter hey. And so, if I encourage you, if you haven't listened to that first podcast, go back, listen to it, ponder it meditate on it, allow the potential reality of the living nature of that word to begin to engage with you by simply surrendering by faith to what God wants to do with you through this living language, this living word. So we also were previously discussing how the letter Hay teaches us in this word about the power of free will and the capacity to live with purpose 
and our choices. That this is the an ultimate reflection of how humankind is imbued with divine power in our free will to become a reflection of our creator. So we, and this, this I mean, this never ceases to amaze me, we are an amalgamation of dust and divine breath. And of course you see that in Genesis 2-7. It is precisely our capacity to know and relate to God through our choices that emphasizes the profound responsibility that we carry within and beyond creation. So what I would like to stress about the language and design of this verse is that we are now able to view in concrete terms just how much God is relationally motivated in his involvement with creation. Now, as a quick aside, I've, I've, I've always been staggered by the relational imperative that motivated God to create huma- humanity the way he did. We were created with divine breath, infusing us with stratospheric potential. Now, I love that statement. We, we are infused with stratospheric potential. And the outcomes of all this divine potential hinges solely upon our choices. This is the divine mandate of free will that God has infused into us by giving us his breath. So in, in, in essence, and, and I want to stop and think about this, in essence, God places the full gamut of his reputation in our hands. Now, it's it, it, it's almost laughable when I say that. You can ask the question, what do you mean God places his reputation in our hands? Because we, we are, after, after it is all said and done, the ambassadors of his ways. And how do we reflect his ways by the way we choose to live, by the way we choose to exercise this this beautiful gift of free will that He's given us, how do we choose to live? That's a very it's a very weighty allusion to the function of breath as expressed through the letter H. And we talked about this before: thought, speech, and action. So we can now ask ourselves. Another question, and this is what I love about Torah. This is what I love about studying God's word. It's about teaching us how to ask questions. Because it's the question that motivates or facilitates the conversation with the one who is trying to teach us. And of course, God is always trying to teach us about himself. But you know what else is amazing? He is always trying to teach us about ourselves and he will do that by putting things in front of us that we don't understand he wants to put in front of us something that inspires us to engage with it to see that potential reality begin to manifest in and through our lives so that it be, we become a living witness of what we are being shown because there's a very important element in our relationship with God and that is we are shown to know we are shown to know that there is a God in heaven and when we when we when we approach God's word and 
revelation and encounters from that perspective, we realize that there is an expansion of ourselves that is always happening. So how does the letter Hey, the, the, the fifth letter of the, the, the Hebrew alphabet, the letter Hey, how does it manifest its function in us and how can we choose to facilitate this process? Because this word here, this verse here, is designed to point us in a direction in which we can turn. And I want to show you something quite amazing that sits inside this word again. So, I would like to suggest to us that this verse is God's invitation to humanity to choose to become his mouthpiece within creation and that this is a process of consciously engaging with a divine infusion of the letter hey into the essence of our being and there is no better example of this than Avraham Avinu Abraham our father now look at this this is a beautiful thing and and I encourage you to uh, look at the Hebrew, this, Hebrew, this Hebrew word, uh, either go to the Blue Letter Bible, um, you can go to sephoria.org and look at Genesis 2 verse 4. And look at this word, look at this verse, go to the fifth word. If you haven't already done that, go to the fifth word, look at the letters. You will see the letter bet, so six letters, bahibar am. A bet, a hey, another bet, a resh, an aleph. And what we call a mem safit. Now here's something quite remarkable. If you take the first letter, okay, the letter bet. Now let's treat that as a separate entity, as a separate word. The five remaining letters, okay, the hey, the bet, the resh, the aleph, and the mem, they can all be rearranged to form the name Avraham. Avraham, okay, which is spelt aleph, bet. Resh, Hay, and Mem. What is God showing us here? What is he alluding to? He's showing us that not only has he set before us a, a, a profound statement of the letter Hay and the, the, the function of his breath in creation, but he's showing us how he has engaged with that letter into a person so that we can follow the model for ourselves. And how did he do this? What did what did God do with Avram? He put he inserted the letter He into his name, and Avram became Avraham. Genesis seventeen verse five. No longer shall your name be Abraham, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. Let me finish with this because I really want to pick this up again and, and go deeper in part three of this series. Avraham is the model for our faith in the divine. The essence of our faith is that understanding does not precede revelation. That revelation is not instant knowing, but rather a day-by-day, step-by-step journey towards becoming complete. Baruch Hashem, I look forward to discussing this with you further in another podcast.